When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things for data, for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team creating interactive story explorers for Homefront and Peaky Blinders. For the London Philharmonic Orchestra creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Ville Drummond exhibition. Now that's the kind of innovation we need for the village show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk. That's James at S-H-E-D-C-O-D-E.co.uk. Or you could have a browse of his website, shedcode.co.uk. Do tell him I was looking for him if you see him, won't you? I want him to design me a digital resurgence stone. <laughs> Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Naked Fingers here. I'm in my car in a village in West Yorkshire. No, I'm not dogging. Not yet, anyway. And I'm staring at a very, very tall maypole. And that maypole is in the village of Barrick in Elmet, which, of course, is the village that Barrick Green was written about. And Barrick Green, we know it as Dumpty Dum. So here I am to give you the Dumpty Dums to end all Dumpty Dums. It's going to be so meta. Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum This is Dumpty Dum about the reality docudrama that is centred on bridge in the heart of the Midlands and the perfectly cooked turkey cranberry sauce that is Andrew Horn. And with me, I have the old Brussels sprout, that is... Yoko Bear. And the last part of our festive feast 
It's you. Today's festive rendition of Barrett Green was brought to you by Robert Wilson. Now then, Yoko Bear, can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumpty Dumber of the Week? Yes, if you'd like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, uh, leave us a plot prediction, or just let us know what Santa bought you in his sack for Christmas, then ring us on 0203 031 3105, or leave us a message on SpeakPipe if the website's back up. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundup, Shedco for sponsoring us, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek didn't have a very good Christmas at all, I'm afraid. He went to a carol service uh, just for Christmas and misheard Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly as Deck Your Balls with Boughs of Holly and had to spend Christmas Eve in A&E. <laughs> on this week's episode, we have calls from Glyn Fullerlove, who predicts a uh, mince pie face-off between Jill and Ruth. Catherine Chevrier, who has cracked the case of the appearing snowman, and Dan John the Seventh, who is enjoying Susan's comic value. Uh, we also have two special guests on the show. Um, our very own New York correspondent Witherspoon and Angus Haggis, live and in person. Well, on the other end of the line, thanks to the magic of Skype. Plus, we have our upside-down guardian of Facebook, Millie Bell, live from Australia. Now, this week, Lucy is uh, putting her feet up by the fire. She's roasting her dog's chestnuts as well. We've seen that. (laughs) And um, so she's not monologuing. If that's your favourite bit, I'm sorry. But you've got us. Yoko Bear, what did you uh, like about the week in Ambridge? In a strange way, I'm quite enjoying the fallout of the archers over Toby. And when I say enjoy, (laughs) that's probably overstating it a little bit. But I'm fascinated by it because there's so many different levels of things that are going on. It's really interesting what um, Lucy said in the previous podcast about this kind of choice that people have between a very steady and stable kind of man who is probably a little bit more boring, but will probably give you a bit more security and stuff like that. Or, on the other hand, you've got the bad boys. You've got the Tobies that are a bit more exciting, a bit more kind of life in them. But, of course, then you get all these other problems associated with them. So Mm. I've been fascinated to see that play out. And also, as well, I don't know about you, and perhaps I'm just being really mean here, but the the thought of Ruth cooking Christmas dinner is really appealing to me. (laughs) Ready meals at the ready. Well, I'm presuming Jill would find her way of... uh leading in the kitchen Mm, one would hope yes (laughs) i think uh i mean i have to say toby this week been quite thoughtful he's said well you go if you want to you know and i'll just stay here i don't want to ruin it for you he even tried to help or helped rex with delivering the uh the geese and i thought at one stage he just turned around and say well you can't have it both ways and he did actually uh I know he extracted some uh, some money from him for doing it, but he did he did rally round. So the one who's out of character, and I know we were touched on that with Lonnie and various other people have said it, is Jill. Mm, she's she's acting a bit out of character. She's she's almost kind of isolated within the family now, mm. um, and I think that's not like normally she comes out fighting, doesn't she? And she has to a certain extent. She's kind of confronted Toby and you know made it clear. Look, like I'm never going to like you. She's made it clear to Pip, but I think behind it, there's kind of almost like a subduedness. She's kind of just got to the point where she's just like, right, I'm not. I'm just not dealing with this, which isn't like her at all. Normally she. She's in both fists flailing, isn't she? So she's dug into her position and she's saying, no, 
he is wrong for her, and she's not backing down. Mm. We haven't had is Carol coming around to the rescue and actually saying, now, Jill. Carol, I think, is probably the only one who can do it. And, you know, now, Jill, you, you're in the wrong. It's all about Grace, or it's all about Robin, or whoever it is, but just she's got to make her own mistakes. Yeah. She's young enough to make them and, and not let them ruin her life. I was thinking, actually, this um, this week, just thinking about my own family and what have you, just the perennial kind of, what we do on Christmas Day, what we do on Boxing Day, and then the kind of, well, I want to do this, well, I want to do this, and what have you. I think it's quite an accurate reflection of families sometimes, you know. Christmases throw everything into sharp relief, and also where you're going to spend the day becomes an issue sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, it can cause kind of resentment or it can cause arguments and what have you sometimes. Um, and I think that's been kind of really demonstrated with, um, you know, Pip just saying, right, that's it. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm just having Christmas dinner with Toby. Um, which I kind of, I, I hate to say this because Pip normally really gets on my nerves, but I kind of respected her for that. It was just like, she obviously said, right, enough is enough. This is what I'm doing. You can like it or lump it. And I, I kind of respected that. So, um, which was a bit of an odd, odd feeling because I was sat there thinking, well, hold on. Normally I just criticize Pip for everything, but I thought she did the right thing there. I mm. thought she just said, right, just enough. This is just silly now. Um, let's take us ourselves out of the situation. Indeed. Indeed. And the other part of the week that I really enjoyed, the episode uh, I really enjoyed was Tuesday with the Aldridge family dinner. And, uh, well, A, we had the uh, the wonderful reappearance of Debbie. Yay! Um, Everyone loves Debbie. Everybody loves Debbie. And also Phoebe as well. So you've got the, the pro- two returns of the prodigals. You get Sulky Kate who ought to remember that she has had her fair share of big whoop whoop family celebrations when she returns, but of course being Kate, she forgets that and just gets... Is it my imagination, or does she sound... Is she acting drunk quite a lot of the time? Oh, I think she's. I think she is just drunk most of the time. <laughs> I think this is it. It's because Kate's going to be one of those people who just like you know, where it's just kind of Christmas becomes the excuse for everything. It's just <laughs> like Sherry at nine in the morning. It's Christmas. Um, I reckon she's probably been doing that since mid-November, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I will say on Kate, I actually felt a bit of empathy with Kate this week because I'm a terrible procrastinator. Um, I'm just like, most of most of my thoughts in my head are, are normally kind of. Mm, I wonder whether I could do this tomorrow instead of today. And the whole thing about the costumes for the panto, um, yes. I really felt for her because she's obviously got really really good ideas. Everyone's who's seen the drawings and the and said mm, that's fantastic so she's obviously good at it but I felt this empathy because it was just like she's just put it off and off and off hasn't she and then she it's a has. big panic at the end and I, I really do identify with that sometimes but, I mean I, I agree I mean I tend to work best under pressure um, but I think where Kate is Kate is normally very good at delegating mm. you know and getting so think back to getting the yurts ready for the big party you know, she had everyone running around moving stuff while she, I think, polished the wind chimes or, mm. or did something like that. But this time, she just got stuck and didn't ask. And it took Phoebe coming back to realise there was a problem mm. and rally Jennifer and Alice and everyone else in. 
isn't that kind of um, like a bit of a metaphor for the whole Phoebe and Kate relationship? Kate's, all, Kate's always been the one that's flailed around, and Phoebe's always been the kind of sensible one. I mean, it's a, it's a bit absolutely fabulous, it really, is. isn't it? That's it's happy, like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's um, so that was interesting, yeah. but the the whole thing about the costume leads into what the thing that's been annoying me the most about Ambridge for the last few weeks, Mother Goose. No, just no. I've got no idea why Linda has picked this. Um, it just doesn't. I don't know. I just really don't like the idea of it. It. You look at the previous choices that Linda's made, and blind spirit. What a what a brilliant choice that was. And I just look at the mother goose, and it's thinking we're scraping the rail a bit, Linda. Really, aren't we? It's. It, I just don't get it. Yes, I mean I, they used to do traditional pantos, and now we're back doing one. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen mother goose. Um, I think the thing that really kind of sums it up for me was that I've never seen Mother Goose, so I don't know the story. <laughs> but nothing that's been in this plot line has made me think I should go and Google it and find out. I'm just really not that interested. And I think it's also become like this... I think it's just become this thing, this vehicle just for kind of what's going to happen with Tom and Kirsty, what's going to happen, you know, it's just all the plot lines have ended up in this panto. And I don't know, it's just not doing it for me. Mother Goose, no. Pick another one well, next year. Yes, well, maybe it was just to set up a bit of turkey goose rivalry. Oh. Maybe that's why the scriptwriters chose it. Oh, I know, but that's just so... I don't know. I'm not a fan, anyway. I'm not a fan, <laughs> but it's just like... But I have quite enjoyed the kind of chaos around it, and and there's been some wonderful moments of Linda kind of sniffing ten to the dozen and throwing her toys out of the pram, which is always makes for good listening. And we had the annual episode of her guilt-tripping the uh, the cast... Yes. You know, it's all going to be a failure and da da da. And, and what am I, how am I going to hold up my head in front of, what's the name of that critic? Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Tristram Hawkshaw. It happens every year. That You know, as I said in my call the other week, I quite like some of these annual markers that always come round. And it oh, is yeah. happy, right? we tick that one off. And uh, shall we go and see what, what the caller in is, in the ruse have been saying? Yes, let's let's see what they've called her in. <laughs> Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. Okay, and first up we have Glyn Fuller Love. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Yokel Bear, and I hope you enjoy your guest editing of. The great podcast, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here on Christmas Eve. Quiet moment while half the family is out. The other half is still in bed. Why not do a quick Dumpty Dum? And uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, my Christmas Day prediction for Brookfield. Um, Jill and Ruth will have an almighty row. And David says the only way they can sort it out is by having a mince pie face-off in the yard. Each has to use their own mince pies. Um, Jill's being nice and fluffy simply bounce off Ruth without any harm. Uh, Ruth's being um, as hard as nails uh, cause more damage. One takes Jill's eye out and the clan end up in the local hospital um, 
while Jill is stitched up and they're all making frantic calls to Mike Tucker to learn about uh, coping strategies if you've only got one eye. So that's what I think will happen at Brookfield. And by the time Dumpty Diamonds hear this, uh, they'll know what really happened. Well, didn't really happen because, as we know, the archers isn't real. But let's leave that aside. Um, other, other, other thought. Um, the ongoing saga about whether Justin Elliott is uh, really evil or not. Um, my view is Justin Elliott, I'm afraid, is just a plot device. He's just a character stuck in there to do things to keep other plot lines moving. It's a bit like the nurse or the uh, priest in Romeo and Juliet, whose acts are necessary in order that the plot can move forward. But actually, if you look at them in isolation, they don't really make much sense. And I think, you know, that's all I'm, af I'm afraid. I disagree with Royfield on this one. That's all Justin Elliott is to me, a useful plot device to keep the Rob storyline going or the Brian storyline going and so on. Anyway, there appears to be a neighbour coming to our house, so I'd better go. But I hope every Dumpty Dummer had a great Christmas and a good, and every dum Dumpty Dummer has a very happy 2017. Thanks, guys. Bye. What did you think of that? Wow. Um, a, a mince pie face-off. <laughs> I think that would be marvellous. That would be better than Mother Goose, I tell you that. Yeah, That's right. it. You could sell tickets for this. Um, I think he's right. I think... <laughs> Ruth would win on just the sheer hard... It'd be like rock oh, cakes, wouldn't yes. it? Yes, yes. But I don't know, when I listened to that call, <laughs> what I thought was, you could extend it even further. Um, if you've seen the film Shaun of the Dead, where... Um, I can't remember what the actor's name is, but where he's... Kill Simon Pegg, when he's... Um, killing zombies by throwing um, vinyl records at them. I was thinking, well, Ruth could do that with frozen pizzas. <laughs> it would be just like... It would, but, yeah, I think this is um, a deadly mince pie contest to the death. Um, yeah, I really like that idea. Scriptwriters, take note. Next year, mince pie fight. And David will be torn as to who to... Yeah, that would be the ultimate thing for him. Do I support my mother? Do I support my wife? I think I think David would just be sat in the middle, gently sobbing whilst stuffing his spine <laughs> into his mouth. Which I think he'd side with his mother, to be honest with you, because um, you know, it just it would just reinforce Ruth as the outsider, wouldn't it? Mm. Here she is with a rock hard mince pie. She's not part of this family. Yeah, she can't um, cook. Yeah. Um, the other bit that that Glenn said. Do you, do you think Justin's evil? Only in a pantomime way. I think. Yeah. I, it did make me think, and I, I'm not sure I've come to a conclusion as to whether is Justin only there as a plot device or is he a character in his own right? Mm. Um, I, I think he is, he is a character in his own right, I think, on balance. But because he wields power, mm. he can move storylines along. He can make things uh, change or bring about change. Like... I mean, if you think about it, Brian has often been the one that the village rallies against as he introduces change or Borges to land do. He's, as the local, he's always been the one to get the brunt of it mm. with the, the digester and, and all those like Barrow Farm and all those other things over the years. Brian in the firing line. And it was interesting this week that Rob said they bulldozed Barrow Farm and they were going to redevelop it. That was the first time we've we've heard about that. So you've got a brand new building that was that was put up mm. and they're not even just trying to try and 
change the use of it. They've just bulldozed it all down, which seems a bit bit strange. I, yeah, I think there's. I think we're building up to kind of. There's going to be some changes in Ambridge. I think after the um, the root beef fiasco, I think what's going to happen now is that Justin's going to start making big changes. Is he's going to move his business on to the next level somehow, and yeah. that's going to mean that certain things in Ambridge that you take for granted are going to change. Like you know who who owns what land? Are they going to bulldoze that farm? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He, I think you're right. I think he is the kind of mechanism for change. Um, and also, he's a mechanism sometimes of sorting plot lines. Something's gone wrong with something somewhere. They get Justin to make a donation with Lily and saying, oh, well, let's get you in with the villagers. Um, yes. And it kind of wraps up that plot line and what have you. So I, I don't think he's evil. I just think he's really annoying. And one of the reasons I think he's really annoying is that it's, he's always portrayed as this kind of rich people can get away with anything. He has an affair with Lillian whilst, you know, saying, well, I, I've obviously, he's obviously got this kind of open relationship with Miranda. Um, whereas if that was happening to other characters, I think there'd be a lot more judgment of kind of, you know, oh, look what they're up to. There has been a little bit. But it's like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a big working class chip on my shoulder, I don't know. But it's kind of, I think he can get away with things that other people can't because of the money. Brian's first reaction to the affair is, is what can I get out of this because he's got money, he's got power, rather than kind of saying, oh my God, Lillian, what the hell are you up to? His first reaction was, yes. what can I get out of this? And I think... That's how Justin's portrayed sometimes as, you know, almost like the, he's becoming like, a bit like the feudal lord, isn't he? Mm -hmm. But while we're talking about the Borchester Land piece, of course, the other big event was the Borchester Land party with that quite awful music. It was, the more it came back, I don't know whether it's Tommy Croker's ghost or grandson's band, but (laughs) no, I'm sorry, scriptwriters or sound engineer or whoever no business party i've ever been to has had such awful music (laughs) if any music but that was just awful but we did have debbie's wonderful dissing of rob oh it was a highlight of the week that (laughs) and i think and and let's face it the whole thing with rob just being it it reinforced that rob is becoming ever more isolated that any kind of hope he had of kind of building any bridges is gone because even Debbie, who's not even been there whilst this has been going on, is saying, actually, I've seen through you. I know exactly what you're like. Mm. But the best thing about it was, was that scene that was essentially kind of, you know, sealed with a kiss, basically. Ian, yeah, and, so, so Ian and Adam. So Rob's role as a fluffer, in effect, because he finally... He got Ian to break through and show his emotion. <laughs> oh, there's a horrible Didn't image. Well, yeah, I no, know. He, I thought he'd like that one. I think he, I think he did. And I mean, it makes me wonder where Adam and I've been wondering where Adam and Ian are going because there's obviously still quite a lot of anger with Ian, and he's not, and it's understandable, and he's he's not really given Adam much ground. I think there was a little bit. There was a little mention, maybe not this week, but a couple of weeks ago, that it became apparent they're no, they're, they may be living together again, but they're not in the same bedroom, yes. that they've got separate bedrooms. So it's obviously not progressed back to the way it was before. But I think the delicious irony is that I think you're right. I think Rob, who has been so awful and homophobic, has actually 
helped heal their relationship a little bit. Well, certainly broke through the ice. I mean, yeah. yeah, and that will be a great irony. It will be the only good thing he's done this year. Let's face it. We want, <laughs> we, we want Ian and Adam to get back together, don't we? I do, and I mean, I have been a bit of a... I, I've never been a real huge fan of Ian, but this year, certainly in the last few months, I've begun to like him more because I just didn't get the whole bit where he was like if you've if i i just don't get the whole thing with if you've just found out that your partner that you're just about to marry has been unfaithful that you would still go ahead with the wedding that never made any sense to me um and actually it kind of does now it was almost like he was just holding it all in and then it all came spilling out um so yeah i i I hope they get back together because i think it's i think it's one of those things that would be a marker that Rob really hasn't made any permanent impact on... Do you know what I mean? It's it's almost like he's come in, he's done these awful, terrible things, but the village is healing itself despite him. And I think yes. that's important. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Shall we move on? Okay. So our next call is from Catherine Chevrier. Hello, this is Catherine Chevrier from Strawberry Hill calling Dumpty Dum. I'm a first time caller in era. Um, I first heard the Archers some Christmases ago. I remember coming in the kitchen, sticking the radio on, and I didn't know what it was, but there were two men. One was on a roof. They both sounded really drunk, and I thought to myself, this is not going to end well. Anyway, thought no more about it then the next day it was all over the news Nigel had fallen off the roof so I was hooked um my Dumpty Dum character is therefore Henry because he was a baby at the time and I was remembering wondering where his dad was because I didn't understand any of that either so a couple of messages from me first off can no one work out who the inflatable snowman has come from is it really that difficult? I cannot believe that with all the intelligence in Ambridge, no one's thought, oh, maybe it was Rob. Um, I have a plot prediction. I think Cav will be the hero of the hour. I think Rob is going to try something. Is he going to come to the panto? She will be there and she is going to help out. I think Jill is being an old bag at the moment, but I do wonder whether Sanctimonious Roost, I'm so sorry for your grand behaviour, Pip. Can't do the accent. Has she forgotten that she was the one that buggered off last year and left Jill holding the turkey? does seem a little bit unreasonable. Anyway, I'm off to the Christmas Eve crib service. Happy Christmas to one and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Thanks for the wonderful programme, and I hope this will be the first of many caller innering, if that's a word. Bye-bye. A first-time caller innerer. Yay! Yeah, I know, and we're honoured. We've got two this week. That's fabulous. Um, yes, first-time caller in a rust, Strawberry Hill. Um, and how about that? The first episode you ever listened to, Nigel's Plunge. <laughs> talk, talk about starting with a bang. It's just <laughs> like... It's just, yeah, i got to admit, and I know that in a previous Dumpty Dum, when we were getting all confessional, I had to confess that... When I heard Nigel falling off the roof, I did burst out laughing, but only as a kind of release of the tension and the, the what have you. So when Catherine called in and mentioned Nigel falling off the roof again, I I burst out laughing again and then just thought, oh, God, I must be a really awful person. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, I think it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... Um, 
I can't really identify the point where I really started listening. I mean, it was always kind of around in the background because, you know, my mum's been listening since, oh, the late 50s. Um, so ever since I was born, it was around. But I must have really started listening at a point where there wasn't much going on because I can't identify a moment where it's just like, yeah, that's where I, I kind of came in. Um, same as you. It, it was always around the house. I count my first time really as when I it was, I was away at school and I actively started. Yeah. I used to record it on a timer, record it every night and listen to it. So, uh, or record the omnibus. So I okay. sort of start thirteen, but I can't tell you what the stories were then. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just yeah. I think mine was when I moved to Brighton in about nineteen ninety two, and because I was away from home then, um, I, it was again it was the making the active choice of right. I'm going to switch radio on and listen to it, but I didn't start out listening to it every. You know, it, I'd just be dipping in and out for a bit, and but then about two years later, it was like right, can't miss an episode, and that's been it since. But on Catherine's call, Cass. Yes. I think Cass is really interesting because, on the one hand, she was absolutely crucial in the uh, the whole Robin Helen the court case and what have you, moving Helen forward to be able to do what she did in in kind of confronting the situation in court. But she also comes across like a bit of a plot device, and I think that's why she's coming back. I think she's here to move the Rob stuff on a little bit further. Well, they're certainly not letting her go, are they? They're keeping her no. there in in mind. Uh, and I have to say, and I have no idea if she if she listens, but the Cas Twitter feed, I I love that. I love it. it's good fun. Um, yes. So if you're listening, keep it up. We love it. I don't think there will be a panto intervention. Just to say, we're recording on Tuesday, and I haven't listened to Sunday or Monday, so that I I'm not. It doesn't sort of cloud my uh, yeah. my, my comments and let something slip. But um, I, I still think that Rob will do something over Christmas, but I don't think it'll be panto-led. Um, mm. But Kaz will come back into it somewhere. They're keeping her her sort of warm for that. Yeah, I, I think... Do, do you think that the whole Jess thing recently was, was um, saying goodbye to that character? Yes. I do, mm. and I think it was a. Uh, it was more about. Uh, I was picked up on the show last week. It was more to do with helping Helen come to terms with things. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're right on that one. Um, that was. That was a, a lot of it. Was like, <laughs> Kaz didn't even really. Oh, sorry. I'm. Um, um, Jesse, uh, Jess didn't even have to be there. It was almost like just the stuff that Helen was saying was the important stuff. It was almost like a, a conversation in her own head, really, wasn't it? So, yes. um, but um, and I'm I'm intrigued to see Kaz come back though, and I think it's I think what's going to be really interesting is to get someone as kind of working class and non countryfied as Kaz into this situation in Ambridge round about Christmas time and what have you. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's, I think, I'm really hoping they've, it's not just the kind of cows turns up, says a couple of lines and goes away. I hope there's a bit of kind of, you know, interaction with the rest of the village and stuff like that. I love cows. I thought, I thought she was a great character during the, um, during the plot line that shall not be named. Mm. 
I, I do. I, I don't know how they're going to get her into the village, but um, mm. I'm sure we'll find out. But what Catherine did say in her call that absolutely at the time had me well screaming inside my head because I was walking to the station. Uh, the snowman in the garden <laughs> has, has to be Rob. It's and why doesn't Helen, particularly the way she reacted the following day when Henry went missing, um, you know, why why didn't Tom and Helen stay straight away? Yeah. It's Rob. It has to be, surely, or, or is well, it just me? No, it's not you. And I'll tell you what. Christmas Day, walked into my mum's house, and the first thing she said to me is, "That snowman. It's Rob, isn't it?" <laughs> it's just like it's so blind. If my mum's picked up on it, then it's blindingly obvious. It's just, it's, it's. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it's interesting. Just <laughs> some. I mean, I think it's kind of pathetic, really, isn't it? It's just like, you know how Rob's obviously thinking about how am I going to do this? How am I going to kind of get myself back in with the village? How am I going to get Helen back and um, what have you, which obviously what's going through his head. And if you come up with, I get an inflatable snowman, just like he's got no grip on kind of the reality of the situation. Yes. Uh, but I think we're seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing his, uh, his doorstepping uh, in the previous week. Um, and and the whole disintegration at the party where he's just no I mean he is they are setting it all up and with a little practice run of uh, of Helen getting uh, of Henry disappearing and mm. and uh, which was obviously uh, a tease for us from the script writers that we were you know thinking Henry's been abducted I, I must say I got a bit confused by that episode because I thought they were visiting Jenny at home farm delivering cards and then suddenly. Mm they're outside Blossom Hill Cottage because he's wandered off to give Daddy a card. Yeah. Not yeah, it, yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> when I heard that, I thought, can, can you do it in that time? And I almost kind of, you know, got up on Google, a map of Ambridge, mm. and kind of tried to work out, well, it takes you one minute to walk there, what have yeah. you. But I think it was just like, in the end, I just let it wash over me. It's just like, yeah, he's run off. He's just, you know, whatever, so... Um, I don't know, yeah, but the the inflatable. Don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a big fan of inflatable snowmen, but it just when I heard that, it was just like I put my head in my hands and just went, oh no, Rob. Yeah. Mm. So our final call is from Dan John the Seventh. Hi, this is Dan John the Seventh. First time caller in error, even though I was granted the honour of being John the Seventh by having the uh, middle name of John and the first name of Dan and sharing the exact birth month with uh, John Daniel Archer. Uh, so, as I'm a first time caller in error, I've got to do various things. I think I'm a Phoebe because I said led listening in 1998, and that was the year of her birth. And I'm a maths teacher from Sheffield. Uh, which may or may not be relevant. Anyway, I'd just like to let you know that my whole pleasure of listening to the Archers has transcended to a new level. Now I've discovered that Susan's meant to be a comic character. I always just thought she was really, really annoying. Anyway, who knew she was meant to be comic? Not me. Uh, I've also sent you a Dumpty Dum from my three children, Erica, Lucas and Juno. Um, so I hope you got that as well. Okay, thanks. Bye. So, another first-time caller in a row. Yay! He, def 
He's a Phoebe. Yep. Um, living in Sheffield. Now, I lived in Sheffield for 10 years. Great city. Fabulous place. Um, mm-hmm. So, Susan, as a comic character, do you think, is that all she is now? No. No, I think I think Susan is, and I've, I've been on a bit of a journey with Susan over the last couple of years, and I used to think she was a comic character, but I'm now thinking that she's actually a bit more rounded out, and I just, I, whilst, whilst <laughs> her constant quest for aspiration annoys me at times, I kind of get it, and, and Susan probably, of, apart from the Grundies, She's probably the character that has got the most kind of investment into the whole concept of family. Um, I think that whole, I, I think that whole kind of photo, getting the photograph done th- thing done, can be seen on two levels. On the one hand, it's just a kind of I want a nice photo because they've got a nice photo, so it's keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the the kind of the thought she put into how she wanted it to look and who she wanted in it and that getting the family together to do something together, I thought that was quite quite telling. But but, but at a superficial level, it's uh you know, you must go and have your manicure and your mm. and your wet shave and uh and lose some weight and because it's got to look good. Oh, but <laughs> I, I I'm not I'm not disagreeing with with what you're saying about family being important mm. to her, but she is the uh, she is the one who is you know trying to change her lot, and she's always been doing that. She's always been trying to you know improve the lot of the Carters, whereas the Grundies are just happy as the Grundies or unhappy as the Grundies, mm-hmm. um, s- scraping around and never really look to change. Clary's all about family too, but she's about just peace in the here and now and yeah. hoping that the boys aren't going to kill themselves or kill mm. each other whereas Susan is driven mm. I think everyone knows a Susan in their lives and I certainly do I used, to, <laughs> I used to work with somebody a long time ago who used to invite you know people that she worked with and around for proper dinner parties um, and she was always kind of putting on the very best, and she probably couldn't afford to. She probably made herself, you know, short of money sometimes, trying to kind of up the level of <laughs> these kind of get-togethers and what have you, but not quite getting it right. Um, it's a really odd, odd experience where, you know, it would be... Uh, it was really, really obvious that, you know, the wines that were being served were kind of, you know, it was kind of, well, I, I read it in this magazine article, so I went and bought them and stuff like that. It wasn't, you know, it's, I think everyone knows the Susan, and I think it's, it's, she represents the kind of aspiration in the village about the fact that we don't want to just be kind of working class villagers, we want to be more than that, and she's kind of the, the thing that represents that. And it can be annoying sometimes, but also it can be quite heartwarming at times. Um, so yeah, I've become a bit more of a fan of Susan Carter, but saying that though she is of course the um she is the plot device she is the character yeah, she's the gossiper yeah, yeah she's the one that gets information from a to b um so that we know so we can see that's why this person knows about this now um because 
so we've had a scene where Susan has told them. So she is the kind of carrier of information. There was a really interesting thing that I saw just for Christmas. I watched a BBC Four documentary about the history of the corner shop in Britain, which really fascinating thing um, about what the corner shop was before the war and then after kind of, you know, in, in the 50s and what have you. And one thing they kept making clear all the way through was, was that the corner shop is... Um, a hub of the community it's more than just a shop and post offices were sometimes the same as well mm. and i think that's what susan is she's she's in the village shop because she represents the hub of the community it's where everyone goes at some point during the week yes true mm. absolutely jolly good well shall we uh introduce our first guest our resident psychiatrist from the big apple Yes, and also as well, just to say on this, I asked, um, I asked Witherspoon a very good question, well, um, a very, um, a, something that's been on my mind for quite a while, which is that if all of his patients, if, um, if all of, um, Ambridge were his patients as a psychiatrist, who would he have the most doubts about? Who would he be worrying about? Oh, you can't see it, Andrew, but... I can. One, oh, you can see me. It's a Christmas present from husband. It's a signed... It's an autographed photograph of Grace Archer. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, that's what you call a Christmas present. Yeah. Ghost of Grace Archer. Yay! <laughs> uh, so, did you all have good Christmases? It was fabulous. I got a dumb... Dumpty Dum T-shirt from my Dumpty Diddler. Oh, <laughs> Royfield would be happy, you know. Yeah, the shop being used—that's good. That's yeah, good. I had a Christmas Eve with relatives, and then uh, yesterday was just Alan and me at home. Mm-hmm. Lovely dinner. He's a great cook. <laughs> uh, in your new kitchen. Yes, in the new kitchen. <laughs> my life is an open book. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but I've got a question for you, um, Ronnie, about if the whole of Ambridge were your patients, which characters would you be worrying about the most at the moment in terms of the situations they're in, their mental health? Who would you, who'd be ringing alarm bells for you? Well, one, I know we weren't going to talk about Rob and Helen, but you should mention little Henry, uh, because, you know, he's the one who's been, I just want to mention him because he, it seems like he's been, his needs have been the most neglected. There's not been one mention of therapy for him, of consulting a therapist. Uh, you know, we, you know, we know what he witnessed, but now the trauma of basically losing a father, what, what has, Helen and the whole family explained to him, I'd like to know, and that's going to be a big uh, hill to climb for him and the others. So, I want, I know we weren't going to go there, but, but it's not like we must go there. Yeah, and, and it is affecting him. This this week, the thing with the card and the disappearing to post the card to Daddy, you know, Daddy is there, and, and I think Helen's taking the approach of, well... If I don't talk about him, then gradually Henry will forget. But I, I'm guessing you're saying that isn't the way to approach it, Lonnie. 
correct. I don't think it is. That's kind of magic, what we call magical thinking. If we just don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Obviously, it does, and will continue to do so. So at least the consultation, you know, the family, Helen, and perhaps Pat and Tony should consult with a, specifically a child mental health therapist to get the best advice on how to deal with this. They haven't asked anybody. You know, he probably would then benefit from from some play. Obviously, it's not talk therapy as adults do it, but some play therapy uh, for a while. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I don't know. In terms of other people, well, we know now, you know, obviously Jill seems to be most in need of assistance, although I'm a big rah-rah Jill cheerleader, and I'm glad, you know, she's kind of shed a light on all this, but clearly um, there's all this stuff from her, from the, again, the ghost of Grace Fairbrother has never left her. It's, you know, she, she has to wrestle with that demon, uh, even... Even though both her, you know, the the first wife and her husband are are long dead and buried, it's obviously affecting her. And it seems like it's taken a bit. It's cost her character to do a bit of left turn. It it just doesn't feel like Jill to me. So what? I've not known her as long as others have known her, but it just feels so out of character for her, which gives more reason that she would benefit from therapy. It, it does seem wrong. Um, and I know, Mark, when we were talking in the summer on the on the boys episode, it was about the curse of the, of the fair brethren. And we are now on to the third generation because there was the, the Grace, then there was Robin, and now there's Toby and and it's all getting on top of Jill. But it's interesting, is it the Grace bit or is it the Robin effect on her own daughter on Elizabeth that's playing most in Jill's mind? And I can't make up my mind between those two aspects. I, I think it's all of it. I think it's just become one of those things where she's just become overwhelmed by the whole thing. Um, and she's kind of backed herself into a corner that um, she seems more isolated, which isn't... You, I think you're right. It's not like Jill's. This is normally Jill would really come out fighting. She has, to a certain extent. But she seems to be getting more and more isolated from the family about it. Um, but I think it's I think it's both. I think she's just wrapped it up in her mind as just one big problem that's just become this issue that she can't let go. <laughs> Which leads us to her relationship with Ruth, and of course Ruth's need for therapy to as Royfield and Lucy have talked about, you know, the unresolved issues she has toward being this solitary figure in the great big archer clan. And she just, you know, this anger seems to flare up <laughs> from time to time. And Jazz, I think she goes from zero to a hundred, but she really needs to talk to somebody about this all. Ruth needed to talk to somebody last year. It's 12 months on and she's still not spoken to anybody. And the whole, everything's just still the same, isn't it? Right. So even more reason. Yes, the mourning for her mom. You know, we thought maybe she has resolved some issues with Jill, remember, to when she came back and she seemed more, you know, she reached out to Jill and, and seemed to... Uh, want Jill to be in her life, and now it's 
you know, Jill is this evil person again. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. She feels that it's Jill's fault for all this instead of placing blame on Toby and, and even Pip. You know, it's hard to, to blame your own daughter, I suppose. Easier to blame the mother-in-law than your, your own flesh and blood. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's it. They've just become kind of the, the targets for each other, haven't they? So, so moving on to the more comic or lighter areas, um, what do we think about the state of play in the Carter household and in the Grundy household at the moment? Well, they, as you say, they're always they're, they will always be there in the background. From time to time, the you know, light is shed onto their issues kind of some light relief, if not comic relief. But I think um, Emma, I think Emma could benefit from some therapy. She's really kind of wrestling with what her role is as a, you know, kind of a more modern version of her mother. She definitely has some of her mother's traits, but she also doesn't want to be like her mother. She wants to be, a, you know, a fully kind of capable working woman who um, is an equal to her husband, not kind of a comic adversary. I, I don't know whether it's just me, but I think Susan Carter this year has become just a little bit more rounded out. She's been... I've actually gone from being kind of quite annoyed by Susan at times to actually having a bit of sympathy with her and I kind of get this whole idea this kind of upward aspiration that she's got. I thought the whole photograph thing was just hilarious absolutely hilarious but it was it was kind of sad at the same time really wasn't it? Just Susan trying to get the family together for this one thing and just all the tribulations kind of set them getting there. You'd think it'd be easy just to have the photograph taken but no it was a huge great big Trek. Right, but what you said it's a it's a two photograph is a two dimensional representation of of an idealized family. Susan doesn't like to to dig deep into these issues at all. <laughs> no, that's true. One other thing is kind of what would be your predictions for next year? Where do you think everything's going? Well, as you said, I think it'll be a more well rounded year. I think it'll be a lighter year than what we've had. Well, hopefully in, in our countries as well. Um, but, right, I, I think we'll be looking at, at various storylines instead of just the focus on one. But what I really would like to see, and I can only guess that it's going to happen, is that we're finally going to learn the mystery of the Fair Brethren. What the heck? They were just plopped into Ambridge, you know, two years ago, and we knew nothing about their background, really, and we still don't know their backgrounds. You know, why is Rex so beholden in trying to prop Toby up? Why is Toby such a near-do-well? Uh, you know, what happened in Brighton? We need to have these answers. <laughs> yes, we do. We do, especially Brighton. I'm so intrigued about Brighton. I think sometimes the scriptwriters they bring characters in to see how they will go, and I think it's on record that when they brought Robin, it wasn't the intention necessarily to develop the storyline the way it did, but they then took it down that route. And I think maybe the same with the Fairbrother and bring them back in. Let's see where they where they take them. Right. You know, Rex has 
faded a bit into the background. Um, you know, hopefully he'll he'll step up and and we'll learn more about Rex as well. And you know, it's interesting he you know he he drew the line in the sand and said you know you're out of the business, Toby. I don't want anything to do with you. But it seems lately that that line in the sand has has been wiped out a bit. You know, they're they're working together a bit. Uh, you know, the still is going to be on the, you know on their rented land. Speaking of which, the story of the still, of course, and uh, Toby's uh, fancy gin business will certainly play prominently. And will Pip and Toby last? the entire 12 months of 2017. What is your prediction, gentlemen? I don't think so. I think it will be a complete change of character for Toby to last that long. I'm, I'm with Royfield on the... It's Toby's version of being in love is he's not playing away and he's not chasing anyone else. But will he keep it up for a year? Right, so that would be the only... Right. I think not. I think he will have a slip. I think Pip will find out. She will dump him. He will be devastated. And that would be the only thing that would get him into therapy. <laughs> if he suffered a real tangible loss, that would drive him into therapy, even if ever so brief. Part of me that thinks that Pip and Toby's going to go one of two ways. Either she's going to dump him in spectacular fashion after she found out what Brighton's all about or whatever, or next year they're going to get married. Somehow that's going to develop to that point, and this is going to cause another huge, great big crisis in the, the Archer family. And it will be, again, a lot of it is down to inheritance as well. Right. And don't forget, Toby, Pip still doesn't know that Rex was in love with her and carrying a torch for her. And, and Toby really concealed that and kind of used it in her in his pursuit of, of Pip. And maybe if she found that out, that would be an, enough for her to at least seriously question the relationship but and, and the worth of Toby. She did know. She, she refuses to see it. But right. um, it was um, young Aldridge. Uh, Adenoids was also saying to her when when they went away on that farm visit, can't you see that he's, he's with his puppy eyes? Kind of poo-pooed it. Yeah. I thought it was Pip that refused to believe it. Right, yeah. yeah. No, I meant Pip, the one she was told that. She just yeah. didn't, it barely registered with her, I thought. But another person who, that's Pip, yeah, lives in Pip land. <laughs> think much beyond her own needs. That's <laughs> yeah, true. True. I think my, my the thing that I'd like to see for next year is I'd like to see people return. I'd like to see Matt suddenly turn up from Costa Rica or wherever he is now and see the fallout from that. But I'd also like Vicky to come back. I'm mm-hmm. missing that family more than I thought I would. Yes. And uh, what was the name? And Tom's first fiance. What was her? I miss her. Uh, what was her her name again? Brenda. Brenda. I miss yeah. Brenda. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and you know, there was a brief mention of Kathy in yesterday's episode. I I don't know if you picked that up. A gift, there was a gift from Kathy or something. Uh, so maybe an ever so brief mention of Kathy, even though she is a the world's favorite character. She doesn't light <laughs> the radio up when she talks, but it would be nice to have Kathy back for a while as well. Yeah, I think so. That would be lovely. So, 
anything else that we want to discuss before we go? It'd be nice to have a wider cast of characters and focus on more than one storyline. And I just hope that's the way it will go. Yep, I totally concur. (laughs) Okay. Well, I really enjoyed our uh, our chat. I think that was uh, it was good fun, and it was great to see the two of you as well uh, on screen at the same time. And I'm sorry if that uh, if that impacted the call quality. It was uh, it was fun. It was good. Yeah, it was uh, it was lovely. It's highlight my Christmas. We're all talking to <laughs> all talking to Witherspoon. Yay! Um, and uh, funnily enough, when he was on the video call, the first thing I spotted was like, "Oh, he's got a little model TARDIS in the background." So I did the whole Doctor Who kind of oh, you know, like, you? "Yay!" So because um, yeah, I've got one in my bedroom here as well. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Mm. So, um, no, it's, but some really interesting things as well. And I think, I think what I really appreciate about Witherspoon is you get this perspective about why people act the way yes. they do. And certainly, loads of times, Witherspoon's called in, and I thought, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense now. So, yes. great stuff. Good, good. Okay, and now we're on to our second guest, our resident social media guardian and guru. It's uh, Millie Bell from The Land Down Under. As far as social media is concerned, um, have you seen kind of, has the Facebook grown over the year? Have we got, have we got more of a social media presence, do you think? It's been really interesting because when we first started the Facebook page, I uh, was getting a lot of my information from the other Facebook archers pages. So I would get on and do my roundup and I would uh, talk about the other archers. Facebook pages because that's where most of the action was happening. Uh, I had already made a few friends through that, some of those pages and we would have conversations off to the side but nothing much was happening on our page and then it just took off and I must admit I keep out of uh, Twitter because uh, Lucy has got a handle on that and that's really, really busy and she's right, it is a big job just keeping a handle on Twitter so I mainly look after Facebook and I keep an eye on the forum and between the forum and our Facebook page page I don't have to look at the other pages anymore to do my roundup so that's how much has changed and the other thing I've really noticed is if I put up a question because what I do is I try to pose questions to get a bit of a conversation happening um, and that depends on what time of the day I've managed to listen to the archers and it Originally, I put up a question and hopefully over the week before I did my report, there'd be a couple of responses. And I put up a post and there's someone on immediately now, which is just awesome. So I might put on a question before I go to work. It takes me 21 minutes to get to work. I go to work and I've got to put in a couple of responses. It's great. That's good, isn't it? That's really good. It is. Has yeah. uh, there been any highlights this year from Facebook? Any posts, any comments or anything that stick? Uh, not really, because I'm going to be honest until I've got an atrocious memory. But what I have noticed is two things over the period. One is that people are very funny. There are some very funny caller-inners out there. Uh, they are often very insightful when they phone in. Yeah. 
when they respond to my questions, they're often quite funny. So that's why it's a joy for me to uh, to ring in each week because I get to deliver all these funny lines that I didn't actually invent. So that's rather cool. <laughs> but the other thing I've really noticed is that when something goes belly up in a country, if there's a problem in a country, there might be uh, bushfires or there might be a flood or whatever, that suddenly everybody's asking, are you okay? Are you okay? I know you live over there. Are you okay? And even a year ago, that wasn't really happening. So I think that the community feel and kind of getting to know people has really started to kick off. I think I think you're right, and I mean certainly with the meetups that are happening kind of up and down yeah. now, and it's um, it feels more like a family now, doesn't it? It's um, absolutely. It's just been great. It's been great. And it's funny because I feel like I know people who I've never actually met. Like I'm really confident that if I sat down with Lucy V, I would I would know exactly what we could talk about. Mm. And Royfield is quite different from Lucy, which is, of course, what makes him such an awesome uh, pair to be doing the podcast. Mm. And I know exactly what the sorts of discussions I want to start having with him. And uh, uh, with a spoon, I mean – I can't wait to meet him. I have to go back to America to meet him. And you just know that you're going to be saying, yeah, but what about this person? What about this person? So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it's really kind of come into its own this year. I think Dumpty Dum, when it first started, I remember kind of, funny enough, it was um, it was Goddess Diva. I said, mm-hmm. look, there's, um, there's I, th- I don't know whether she said it to me or I said it to her, but one of us said, look, there's this podcast has been started up about the archers and we were all a bit kind of hmm, don't know what to make of this but <laughs> kind of within weeks we were kind of getting it and now it's just part it's part of my week basically right yeah and i was lucky i found it pretty quickly just by accident i was looking for more podcasts to listen to and i found it completely by accident and i was in australia obviously but very shortly afterwards i had to go to the uk i was going over to the uk and i wanted to say something and so i sent a message to royfield saying what about this thing that's happening in the arches at the moment and he said call in and of course i'm standing there going of course i can call in that's ridiculous why didn't i think <laughs> so you know the connection doesn't matter what you're doing where you're going you can still have the connection and then it was very shortly after that that I started uh, getting involved with the Facebook page which I think um, embarrasses me a little bit because it means that I had far too much of a presence on Facebook otherwise Royfield couldn't have found me <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you know it's um, social media it's its thing isn't it and what have you and uh, no I think it's I think it's been great what you've been doing is just absolutely brilliant I love the podcast uh, I love the roundup of what's on Facebook. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, but also- Tell you what has happened for me, though. I've Because most of my conversation was on other Archer's uh, Facebook pages, and they're fabulous. They have very different characters. Very, they each have their own individual style. But I was pretty active because I wanted to talk about the Archer's. I don't have to do that anymore because I can get all of my fix from our page. Mm. So that's a big change. I have a couple of little conversations off to the side. The guy that um, – I don't know if you – do you follow Upstairs at the Ball? Um, no. Okay, so Upstairs at the Ball is uh, quite a friendly little group. And what, one of the things they do is Worst Character of the Week. And it's run by a gentleman in America called Stuart Arendale. And uh, he does his fabulous graphics. So he's, at that Friday, he'll say, who's the worst character of the week? Uh, here's some, and it's supposed to be a bit of fun. It's not supposed to be mean. Uh, here's a list. Everybody chooses. And then he has this graphic, funny graphic ready to go. So I still follow that because I love the graphics. He's very clever. Uh, but my, mainly my discussion, I don't get involved so much in the discussion there because I'm too busy with our Facebook page. 
Oh, that's oh. all good news, really. Yeah, it is for us. Okay, so um, this year in Ambridge, um, what's been your highlights? What's really stuck out for you? Um, I have liked the fact that they're starting to introduce some new characters, uh, one of the, and that they've allowed the younger people to have a voice, yeah. uh, even though Josh is driving me a little bit mental because if he was my son, he'd be told. Uh, I actually do like the fact that the younger people um, have got more of a voice because we it, that that's what a family and village life is like. It's got very young and very old in it, yeah. and it got stuck, I thought, for a little while in the middle-aged up so i'm been very very pleased about that and yes of course toby's driving us all nuts but at least he's got a personality um so i've been uh really enjoying that i mean obviously there's a big story that i'm sure everyone's talking about but there's been a lot happening off to the side and i think the other thing i've really liked is the fact that they've had a lot less of the clownish stuff you know when they get eddie in for the light relief and it's you think yeah really I don't feel that that's been happening quite as much, which is good, because whilst I enjoy them in the moment, they don't actually help with the whole story arcs. No, and I think I think you're right. Eddie was always kind of the the clown um, mm. that they wheeled in. I think yes. I think Susan Carter's played a oh. little bit of that. But... <laughs> she has, but we almost hate her, so she has to be there. I know, but it's kind of this this year. I've actually started getting a bit of begrudging respect for her mm. because mm. she just never stops trying to kind of improve her lot. In so she does it in the most kind of annoyingly aspirational ways. Like if we have this photograph, that's like a big thing yeah. for her. I know it's mental. <laughs> and, and, yes. And the red velvet dress. Oh, my God. And I'm actually very intrigued. You know when she's trying to elicit gossip from someone? It's not a skill I have. I tend to ask the blunt question or don't ask the question. But she's got this really skillful way of getting information out of people by dropping a little bit that she knows and then they tell the rest. And I find that fascinating. Yeah, she is a fascinating character. And of course yeah. she is, I think Royfield and, and Lucy said, she's kind of a lynchpin character, isn't she? Because she's the way yep. information gets she's from one group of characters to another. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Any other highlights? Anything else that's kind of stuck out? It's not a highlight, but it has stuck out for me. I've actually been getting a bit grumpy about some missing characters. Uh, Kathy being missing has really puzzled me because of what's been happening with Pat this year. Yeah. Kathy's been a great character throughout the year, and she adds a little bit to it because she's not actually an archer. So she's been an awesome person to have in the show. And it doesn't make any sense to me at all that she's not there with Pat during this year. It just it would have been a good way for Pat to offload and we would know how Pat was going instead of constantly offloading on her immediate family and telling them they already knew. So that's been a bit of a puzzle. And what's happening with Usha being missing, that's been very strange. And I guess that's just because I'm a bit of a fan of Usha. I like the fact that she brings in such a practical and a black and white response to things. Mm. And uh, she doesn't put up with the spiritual fluff that comes from her beloved husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess because I, I, you know, for me, it's spiritual fluff. I know for other people it's really important, but I kind of like the fact that she bats that back. Mm. So, yeah, I've been a bit disappointed there, but of course she may be working as a, as a, in real life. Uh, 
Um, the other thing that's really puzzling me, because the reason I got into the Archers was actually my mother-in-law listens to the Archers, and so when I met my partner, you know, she used to be listening to it, and we all had to shut up. And I really got into it. And Jill Archer is exactly like my mother-in-law. So <laughs> the way she's behaving at the moment, is, it just doesn't mean true for me because the point of the character of Jill and of course my mother-in-law is that they keep the family together so they're the ones that smooth things over they're the ones that always have something available in case someone visits they are always tactfully trying to repair things if necessary and so what she's doing at the moment doesn't make any sense I, I it's funny enough we um, spoke to Witherspoon earlier and he made some interesting points about about Jill and it kind of big about the Fairbrothers she's this never really getting over great mm. brother and mm. and this it always being there in the background but Toby especially being the catalyst for um, for kind of bringing all that out again but I agree I don't think she's acting the way that Jill normally would. And, you know, Ruth, who I do like, I know a lot of people don't like Ruth's character, but I actually do like her, and I think it's probably because we had our kids around the same time. But um, Ruth hasn't always been very kind to Jill, um, and I understand why, but but Jill has always forgiven her and uh, and not made a big thing about forgiving her. So it doesn't make sense that she can't do, especially with the, the distance of time, it doesn't make sense that she can't do that with the Fairbrothers. Anyway, that's just my opinion. But I just, because Jill for me is so like my mother-in-law, who I adore and really is, uh, for me, the epitome of a, uh, a middle-class um person who cares about the community that she lives in and cares about her family, because it's because that's not how my mother-in-law would behave, I guess. Jill doing it doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, Jill's not my mother-in-law, so you know she's less different. <laughs> I think. I think it also going back to the missing characters. I think you're right. There are some notable missing characters. I mean, Chris Carter. Where is he? I know. I mean, he's such a sex pot. We're hanging out for him. I know. I, I, I need I, him to be hot and sweaty in the forge. What's going on there? <laughs> I was trying to think back when the last time I heard Chris uh, Chris Carter on the Archers, and I genuinely, I'm probably wrong, he probably has been on, but I genuinely can't remember anything past. Do you remember yeah. when he was Jesus at the crucifix? <laughs> yes. I wonder whether they've just left him on the cross. It's just... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's just that little thing of that sort of mental eye candy for that, because we all know he's the, obviously supposed to be a bit of a sex pot. Where's he gone? He's disappeared. <laughs> I know, it's just that it's not on, it's not on. So, no, um, <laughs> so what are your kind of predictions for, or what would you like to see happen in 2017? What, 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 oh. Where would you like it all to go? Well, if I could get Doctor Who just to put uh, Rob in the TARDIS and piff him off, that'd be just great, but I don't suppose that's really going to happen. Uh, but what I think is going to happen, because we've had a lot of little things dropped into the story, is I think there's going to be a big storyline about Rory and his inheritance, his partial inheritance of the farm. Because mm. um, that feels to me like it's building up, and a couple of times Brian said something about Rory when he hasn't needed to, yeah. uh, because Rory's on his mind. So I Think, and I think that's really going to blow up if that happens. Yeah. Brian, so also, Brian asked him about the land as well, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, Which is bizarre. I Actually, don't, why would you ask a kid of that age? They don't care. 
Is it an app? No, it's not an app. I don't care. Go away. <laughs> I know, but I also love the fact that we don't actually hear what he says because side yeah. character. <laughs> That's it was, right. Um, it was. Well, I actually quite liked that we heard from Kate what she thought about selling the land. I mean, that was mental. I know, and it's. Like, <laughs> I think there'd be. I always thought there'd be kind of a group of people that that Brian would have to talk to about it because they're directly impacted. So it would be like mm. Adam, um, yeah. you know, but. Kate, Rory, they're just yes. people that you'd say, look, we're thinking about doing this, and that's it. With, you know, <laughs> that's exactly, I, 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 think, I think I'd be saying we are doing this. Mm. <laughs> anyway. I, and I think Debbie coming in as well has been kind of to move that plot line, line along as well. So. Yeah. Actually, I think it's moved some things along with Rob as well. Yeah. Like it really isolated him the other day. Uh at the uh, Christmas do, was it at the Borchester uh, land Christmas do, really isolated him and made him clear that they, not the, ho- the whole village is not going to be polite to him uh, just because we are polite to people. So that was that was pretty cool. The, now, that was a really interesting day because Jennifer didn't go, did she? No, she didn't. Can I just say, bollocks, of course she would have gone. She would not have missed that because that's a social thing and that's what she's good at and it was a middle to upper class social thing and I just thought, no, she would have stayed up till three o'clock saying but she wouldn't have missed that do. That was just because they had too many characters. I think think there was just too many things going on there, wasn't there? Is that why we like the Archers? Because as Archers uh, fans, we go, nah, 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 we know what you're doing there. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, are, uh, we are getting quite good i think at predicting kind of <laughs> roughly where it's going to go i think they've they, they've no doubt throw some surprises i have a theory that we're going to have an ambridge wedding next year um, and i think that pip is going to marry toby <gasps> oh have you wrong or, or my alternative theory is, is that she'll split up with Toby in a really kind of explosive way, um, and on the rebound, she'll end up marrying Rex. Oh, oh see, I don't like either of those. No, you can keep those theories. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I absolutely agree with, I think it was Lucy that was saying that uh, Pip is only going out with Toby because she's stubborn. It's not really because she sees depth in him and the more that they push against him the more she's going to dig her heels in but once they've started accepting him which they've tried to do on christmas day i think um that the, that his hidden shallows will come forth and she will she will lose um her interest in him because she doesn't need to make a point to her family anymore however jill of course i haven't heard yesterday's but jill was still digging her heels in so yeah that would be interesting i don't think i mean rex is obviously adores her but pip needs someone with a bit of spark so i hope she doesn't man up with him well i think it's interesting isn't it the way that the the characters of rex and toby have, have kind of uh developed yeah you've kind of got the two choices there of uh, which choice do you take do you take the the guy that's a little bit boring, but is reliable, dependable, hardworking, and will be a very steady influence in your life. Or do you go for the bad boy? And I think that's quite an interesting choice for Pip. Yeah, I think that they've when they introduced them, Rex wasn't quite so wet as he seems now. 
he seemed he was a good foil for Toby uh, because he was such an opposite. But recently they've made him seem really wet and uninspiring and boring. I didn't feel like that at the beginning, but I guess when you meet people, your first impression is not always your lasting impression, so I guess that does make some sense. And I'm also really confused. I thought they'd kicked Toby out of the business, and now they're paying him to do some of the work, and it's just like, I thought thought you kicked him out, but, you know. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, again, that's it. They had such a falling out, and he was so angry with him. I don't think he would care how busy he was. A bit of that stubbornness would have meant that he would finish delivering all those birds himself. But, you know, it tied up another storyline and brought them back together so you know that's you've got to do that i guess in real life we wouldn't do that but this is this is the ambridge fairy at work absolutely right (laughs) one one last question yeah i'm gonna put you on the spot here um who was your best character of 2016 if you're giving out an award who would get best character oh well it has to be helen yeah just i just uh i you can't disassociate the act tour from the character when you stand back and look at it and the the, i mean i think both rob and um helen the the actors playing them did a great job but helen the nuances uh were fantastic and even when she goes into uh, a spin she does that so believably Mm. so she went into a spin the other day when henry got lost i believed her i really believed her I really thought Henry was lost. So for me, that character this year has been, she's the one that has made me stop breathing when she's talking, when something, she's having a thought and I go, oh gosh, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So yeah. yeah. Um, who would be your worst, but you're not allowed to pick Rob? Who would be my worst? Well, I, I just can't stand Toby, to be honest. He is a complete twonk. And um, he's the sort of person that if you go out for a drink and he's in the group, you think, oh, God, I'll go and sit over there then and just try and keep it out of his way because he's going to do something stupid and he's going to try and include everybody and I don't want to be part of it. So I think just because he irritates me. But then I have known some young people because I teach young people. Uh, I've known some young people who've been like that and then actually um, developed into a really nice human being. So there's hope. I think that's the thing about the archers. There's always hope, isn't there? Um, Yeah. Okay, that's about it, really. So um, I think we've got enough there for Royfield to edit and do what he needs to do with it. So, <laughs> Did you think he was getting a week off, the dear thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, this has been a bit scary because <laughs> kind of, me and Andrew are just going, oh, my God, what if we muck it up? What have we done? <laughs> it's actually been quite fun. Don't worry about that, because if you muck it up, Royfield will just talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing all right. So, can I? Just, um, see, um, I hope everyone has a great new year. Yeah. Um, I do. I genuinely love the community feel about this. I genuinely, uh, really appreciate and I'm honoured that you include me in that. And uh, you know, long may it last. Let's keep the laughs going in 2017. Because you know, if I think about uh, not only on the archers, but in real life, some of the crap that's happened in 2016. Let's make 2017 a good one. Well, I thought that I'd, I had a I had a wonderful time talking to Millie Bell. It was great. Talked about all kinds of stuff. I mean, one of the things that I think the point that she made we we're, we're looking kind of retrospectively across the year is that certainly Dumpty Dum social media, whether it's Facebook or the stuff we do, on, you know, stuff on Twitter and and the forum, everything's become more of a community now. I think, and I think that's just lovely. I think it's great. Mm. It is, and I couldn't believe when I went ahead to look how many uh, Facebookers we now have. It's good. 
Yeah, so shall we uh, take a little break now? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think it's time for another mince pie and uh, a camp coffee in tribute to Roy Field. And then uh, we'll come back and we'll have your tweets of the week. Okay. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, I... Well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to, to win in the end is that, for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Welcome back from the ad break. I have to say, I've just listened to, or this morning, I was listening to the Royfield's latest, the, the 15, 15 minutes of the conversation, and it's uh, Angela Barnes this week, um, who, of course, is a great Dumpty Dum fan. And um, it was really good. Enjoyed that. Some good insights into uh, life as a comedian and uh, mm. what drives comedy. Yoko Bear, can you tell us your top five hashtag The Archers tweets of the week? Okay. Um, top five of the week. The first one comes from um, Lisa Marks, who says, Don't worry, Rob's not around, says Tom. Rob opens coffin lid and a wry smile dances across his thin blue lips. 
the next one. Um, actually, I've got two on the trot from the same tweeter um, because they came up in my feed together. Um, and it's John Reed. And if you don't follow John Reed, he's marvellous because he does this ongoing commentary during the t- tweet along of the characters. So the first one is Pip says, If we come to you, not a single person will have a good time. Ruth. But it's Christmas. It's supposed to be miserable. <laughs> and the second one from John is Rob saying, so do you want to get back together then, Helen? And Helen replies, hmm, let me think about that. No, fuckity bye, slam. <laughs> the next one is from uh, Mike Lowe, um, who is Cot's Life Editor on Twitter. Um, I suppose you all know by now that Miriam Miriam Margolis plays the voice of Henry on the Archers. And hashtag Tweet of the Week is from Jay. Uh, that's at Stick Bobblecart. Um, Christmas tree scented shower gel. That'll be Harpic then, Adam. Other new cleaners are available. <laughs> very, very good. DumptyDum.com is down. Yes. It's been hacked again, but Royfield and the team are working very hard to fix things. If you'd like to help keep our little show on the road, there are two ways this can be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on the side of the site, or you can sign up to us on Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, and donate $2 a show. Remember that to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the site, or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. And you can find us on Twitter at Dumpty Dum. Harriet is at Shambridges. And Royfield is at Royfield, R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. I am Andrew Horn at Andrew Horn UK. And me at Yokel Bear. And Lucy Freeman is at Lucy B. Freeman. You can follow us on Facebook by typing in Dumpty Dum, where you will find 1,474 lurker We are so close to 1,500, so if you're not already there, pop along. Also, if you can't face the high street but want to shop and DumptyDum.com is down, you can access the Dumpty Dum shop straight from Facebook, which I didn't know till yesterday when I was looking. I didn't know that either. And I can't, and I also can't face the high street, so well, that's perfect for me. And do you know what I'm wearing today, Yoko Bear? Well, uh, where's, where's it going? <laughs> I am wearing my Dumpty Dump T-shirt that was a Christmas present from my Dumpty Diddler. Yay! Uh, a great present. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. So I think that's just about us done. I think it is. I mean, I think there's. Um, it's been an interesting week in Ambridge, hasn't it? I it think, has. Um, and I think you know, I we've made lots of assumptions about things that may happen. You know, will Rob make a grab for Henry? Um, but also as well, of course, we've got the other the other perennial question, as Lucy would say, is Kirsty up the clanger? Yeah. <laughs> you know. We we need answers, basically. I think, personally, I think she is, because otherwise this whole awkwardness around mo- the Mother Goose kind of thing just makes no sense. So I think I'm going to nail my colours to the mask and say, Kirsty is up the cloud. I agree. I agreed right back when, when Royfield first said it. Um, and then I must admit, I thought, 
oh, it can't be because it's, it seems so long ago. But as someone corrected me on Twitter this week, it is only three months ago. So, yep, it's still, uh, still time for the big reveal. Yeah, I think if it's going to come, it's going to come this week. So, yep. you know, I'll be tuning in with interest. Okay. And I've really enjoyed doing the show with you, Yoko Bear. Yeah, it's been fabulous you. fun. Totally good. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Well, happy new year. Yes, and a uh, um, happy new year, and I hope let's hope it's better than 2016, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. All right. Take care. See you then. Bye. Bye.